welcome everybody to our most recent podcast of Rocksteady at Express Newark at Rutgers University, Newark. Today, I'm talking with Fayemi Shakur. I met Fayemi two years ago when I was chairing the Department of Arts, Culture, and Media at Rutgers University in Newark. And Fayemi was teaching art criticism to our students. Fayemi is a person of phenomenal gifts and talents. Let me just tell you some of the things about her that you ought to know. Fayemi Shakur is a writer, interdisciplinary artist, and arts advocate who lives in Newark. She is currently serving as Arts and Cultural Affairs Director for the City of Newark in the Mayor's Office. She's held appointments as a visiting lecturer with us at Rutgers Newark, and she's worked on the Artist Advisory Council for Newark Arts. She's been featured in publications including the New York Times, Hyperallergic, the International Review of African American Art, High Side Magazine, and many, many more. She had artist residencies at the Center for Photography at Woodstock, was artist in residence at Shine Portrait Studio, and feminist in residence at the Project for Empty Space, a gallery in Newark. In 2019, she founded, and I love the name of this project, she founded A Womb of Violet, a project-based collective of black women writers, poets, and artists who published as a group a 146-page Risograph-printed art book, A Womb of Violet, an anthology that featured work from many of the women in the collective. Um, this anthology has been archived in places that range from the Beinecke Library at Yale to the Library of Congress to the Schomburg and the Newark Public Library. Fayemi has served as a leader in the Newark arts community for over 15 years. She was an executive director at City Without Walls Gallery, worked as public program manager at Al Jaira Center for Contemporary Art, was co-founder of the annual Lincoln Park Musical Festival, and important for these times in particular is that Fayemi is a yoga and meditation instructor. So let me start there and ask Fayemi, who's here with me in person in the recording studio at Express Newark, and I'll just say what a pleasure it is to actually be in her presence in person, because that is all too rare for all of us. And I am starting our conversations with people by asking them to dwell for a bit in the present moment, this long, long present that feels like it's never going to turn into a future. Um, and I'm wondering, Fayemi, how, for example, your capacities as a yoga and meditation instructor have perhaps helped you in these pandemic times. Fayemi is laughing. I don't know if we'll hear that, but 
it's I'm glad she's laughing because we all need to laugh as much and whenever we can. So, Fiamme, how has the present been for you personally, as a creative artist, and professionally in your work with the city? Oh, well, thank you first for having me and inviting me. And it's so nice to see you in person, too. I do miss people. I miss this place. Um, I miss gatherings. Um, I have failed as a yoga and meditation student. <laughs> it has been extremely difficult to keep up my practice. But um, as a forever student, the teachings of yoga, they always stay with you. So even though I'm not necessarily doing asana, and I've gained weight like many people during quarantine. Um, the teachings, the yoga philosophy stays with me always. And so that really helps guide uh, my actions and um, my thinking, my thought process, which gives me, uh, I guess, a sense of balance. Sense of balance. We all need that and struggle to find it, don't we? Yeah. So tell me what you've chosen to balance as priorities from your creative work to your professional work. How have you managed to get to those things daily, weekly? What What's the energy like that you bring? Um. Currently, uh, I focus more on my work for the city than my own practice. There are just so many needs um, and concerns to respond to. Um, and I don't feel bad about that. I think it's urgent. Um, and I appreciate having the ability to support other artists' work. Um, so I still feel like I'm engaged in a creative practice. And thinking about um, just public space and public art and uh, an overall vision for the city and how we're expanding the arts, not just in downtown, but throughout the neighborhoods. And so I get to work um, and brainstorm with artists in my community about not just my own personal vision, but a collective vision. Mm. So even though I'm not necessarily making art, there's still a social practice of collaboration that I'm always engaged in. Yeah, that is that is so exciting that the position in the mayor's office has, in some sense, enlarged what your social practice can be. And yours was already very widely, you know, uh, with us in the Newark arts ecosystem, as I like to think of it. Um, and I recently listened to the mayor's State of the City address from last week, which was phenomenal. Uh -huh. um, and the place that he has made for the arts in this time mm -hmm. is, we are blessed. I mean, mm -hmm. the leadership, both there, here, is you know such um, such a rich moment 
that just keeps growing even under these stalled or, you know, sort of dormant or kind of moments to cultivate, right? Seeds that will continue to germinate. Um, can you talk about the Catalyst Grants, which I believe you were the person who announced those, and, you know, three people I know here at Express, um, Shine Portrait Studio, Nick Klein is the director, Paul Robeson Galleries, Ananda Bell, the director, they both got Catalyst Grants, and Victor Dobson, who was co-director here until July, got a grant for his work, which I think he's doing in conjunction with Gallery of Pharaoh. So to, I, I, I love for everyone to hear some about how that came to be and how you were able to think about distributing a generous around, amount of money to artists in the city and the region. Mm -hmm. Well, a few things. Um, Salamisha Tillett of New Arts Justice also received a grant. Yes, as, thank you. As yes. well as uh, Clem Price, um, Clem's Place. Oh, Clem's Place. Yes, associated with the Institute for Right, Social. Wayne Winborn. Yeah. I th I'm Institute I, for Jazz Studies. Institute yeah. for Jazz Studies, yes. So we were able to um, you know, provide funding for quite a few Rutgers-affiliated folks, which I was happy about. I was really concerned about how folks would be impacted uh, by the shutdown and really launched into advocacy mode across the state and just alerting people to how this was going to affect us and making sure we had resources in place that could support folks' practice, enable them to think about future programming, or just at a very basic level, take care of some operating costs so that maybe they wouldn't have to lay off staff. Mm -hmm. And um, the arts funding typically at times like this becomes even more limited as people start to think of more basic public health needs. Um, but we still have to advocate and, and express to people that, you know, uh, these folks are, in a sense, um, entrepreneurs and small business owners as well. When we think about artists, we have to think about their labor. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times... Sometimes people, not a lot of times, but sometimes people have the tendency to think of artists as volunteers. Mm. And even though, yes, uh, we do willingly serve as volunteers on many efforts, um, but we are workers. We are teaching artists. We, you know, uh, serve so many um, positions in our community and really step up to um enhance, if you will, the quality of life for all, but also serve as storytellers for this moment that we're living in. And we provide something very valuable to society. And because I was already passionate about that, it was pretty easy for me to talk to others about that. And I'm a very hard person to say no to. <laughs> <laughs> but even more importantly than that, you're absolutely right. We are extremely fortunate to have Mayor Baraka um, at the head of it all at this time. He himself is an artist, so I never feel like mm. 
I have to explain anything to him. He gets it immediately. And with that kind of support, I just feel like we have a ear that um, I don't know if we had before at this level. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm really grateful um, to serve at a, such an important and critical time. And I think we've all seen just how much the arts are part of our health, our psychic health, our mental health, the health of our hearts. I mean, I've, you know, we have seen that creative artists, their energies have been unleashed in amazing ways, given how everything came to a screeching halt in mid-March. Um, and I would ask you just to sort of free associate on, I mean, I'm thinking of the street murals, right? And that was one of the most stunning days in Corona time for me. It was also the first day I came back to Newark after mid-March. Um, could you talk about what some of the truly sort of memorable things that have happened, the murals or others, because there are other murals. But what are some of the things that you would want to draw our attention to that are happening in the city in this time? Yeah, the ground murals that we did was a phenomenal project to work on. Again, in collaboration with my colleagues here from Rutgers Newark, um, including Ned Drew and Rebecca Jampol, and um, a few others from mm-hmm. the graphic design program, yep. as well as faculty, students, and alumni really stepped up in a major way to help us bring that project to fruition. And it came at a time um, after George Floyd and Breonna uh, Taylor protest, our major protest here in the city, I should say major peaceful protest here in the city that made national headlines. Um, and there was still a lot of outrage and uh, about everything that was happening and having conversation online was just not enough. And it really was the first time that many of us, aside from the protests, were able to see one another and engage in some type of community activity. And it was so deeply rejuvenating to have space to just affirm our lives and each other and um, step up in support of one another and and in a very uh, demonstrative act um, demonstrate to the world basically you know how we feel about it all and even the messaging that we decided to paint on the streets was unique you know we painted all black lives matter on Halsey Street right here in front of Express Nord at the um, Haynes Building, and then abolish white supremacy in front of the Essex County Courthouse on Martin Luther King Boulevard, which I was elated to paint personally. Did you take part in the painting? Oh, yes. Yeah. I was mostly at the Martin Luther King uh-huh. site for most of the day. Uh-huh. The students, alumni, and faculty began their work at 6 a.m. We had about two and a half weeks to plan it all. We had over 200 participants, uh, local food vendors such as Burger Walla, 
volunteered and provided food. Um, it cost us less than $1,500 to do that because everyone volunteered. Even the paint was donated. That is phenomenal. I had heard that the paint was donated, but the fact that that whole thing happened for $1,500, yeah. that is that is utterly remarkable. That's just how much people wanted, wanted. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but um, my age kept me out of the streets, but I was there in spirit all over the place. Were you, did you go? Were you able to be part of the protests? Oh, absolutely. Oh. I could not stay in the house. And I really wrestled with it for the night before and the day of because I had been in quarantine since March. Mm. And I really had no idea how many people were going to show up because People's Organization for Progress, they do these type of protests in the city all the time. And I've attended many of those. And there's usually not more than 100 people or so there. So I wasn't thinking that it would be more than 100 or people so there, you know, for for this protest. But I was so angry that I couldn't stay in the house and venting on social media was not enough. And I just felt like it was unhealthy for mm. me to stay in the house with so much pent up anger inside of me and I needed to be out in the street and so I went and I was overwhelmed to see so many people out there with me and it just made me feel good yeah yeah that was awesome to behold from afar and in print and on social media and you're right it drew national attention to Newark for how it looks now in this moment of political passion and anguish. Um, yeah. Um, so let's shift our focus, if we could, from the present, because I love that we got to the pandemic and the protests, those two things being our present, our ongoing present, because I Protests not going away, thankfully. Um, pandemic not going away either, not so thankfully. But could you reflect on um, how the emergence of this space in the Haynes Building, Express Newark, given your many years in the arts in the city, Reflect on what you recall about the energies that were stirred up, galvanized, given birth to when this um, these three floors of arts, incubation, creative artists, visual, graphic design, photography, film and video when you watched that come into play and were part of it? Um, I, w I played a very behind-the-scenes role in just serving as um, a listener. People would come to me sometimes asking me my thoughts about different things. I worked at Algira at the time with Victor Dobson, and I think I had seen the announcement about Express Nork before he did. And, you know, I showed him the article, and I said, did you know about this? 
I think you should be involved in this in some way. <laughs> and I remember that he organized a kind of community discussion with Rutgers and some folks at um, Express Newark at Algira mm. so that the community could hear about this idea of a third space. And I was really intrigued by that idea of mm. third space and what did this mean mm. and how would community be engaged in this space? And just the idea of having such a phenomenal educational institution such as Rutgers here in the city, but finding ways for maybe residents and artists to be able to share ideas and resources and opportunities. I thought that was a great idea. The how mm. uh, was the question. Mm. The what does it look like were many of the questions that we spent so much time arguing about, <laughs> discussing, brainstorming on. It's a real learning process when you're creating something new. So I think sometimes like there's a lot of pressure to get it right, get it perfectly the first time. But I think you have to always allow just room mm. mm -hmm. um, for any pilot program. <laughs> Each year you're going to learn something new, right? And so um, talking to the you know artist community about the community partner programs and just seeing spaces like the Nork Print Shop here. It's one of my favorite organizations that were here. Um, and seeing how community can be invited to uh, take part in these learning opportunities was excellent. I want to see more of that. And, mm. Um, mm. you know, I'm also interested in seeing how we can start thinking about how programming can expand out into Newark's neighborhoods. And I'm so glad to hear you say that because in my first conversation with Nancy Cantor um, a few weeks ago, uh, she talked about, she used this wonderful metaphor of Express Newark having put down roots and that she would love to see it now spread its wings. And of course, by that, she meant beyond just downtown. Mm -hmm. And you said something earlier about working in the neighborhoods, mm -hmm. in the wards, in other parts of the city. So I'm happy to sort of now take the focus to the future. At, you know, what do you see at the, in that, you know, horizon, that dim light at the end of this tunnel? But we know it's coming. We know there's light coming. And people have been doing phenomenal things remotely and virtually. I'd love to hear you talk about, especially given your position in the city, in the mayor's office, arts and culture, and knowing what's happened here in the last three years, what do you picture as some of the wings that could lift us off even more? Yeah, I really appreciate those um, opportunities to daydream mm. and imagine or reimagine the future because of the present that we are in. I don't think we're giving ourselves enough time and space to, and permission to mm. be able to do that, even if you don't know the how. Mm -hmm. um, but just daydream about if you could do anything, what would that thing be, right? Um, and it's okay to say, I don't know yet. <laughs> Are and, you soliciting people's daydreams as well as collecting your own? Um, 
I don't know if I would say I'm soliciting them, but I am working on a few things, um, a commission on public art, uh-huh. uh, engaging different community, uh, our own art experts and arts leaders um, in conversation about how we can implement art activations and installations and all types of public art throughout the city mm. and really thinking about um, what story do we want to tell about ourselves as a city through public art and our history. You know, there's been a lot of conversation over the past year about monuments. Yes, I was just... And yep. we started here last year with the Call to Peace, yep. which is curated by Salamisha and her partner, uh, Fall Parber, from mm -hmm. Paul Farber from Monument Lab. And it's just so interesting to see how these conversations have grown over the past year. And I still talk with Salamisha and others you know, about this idea about what is a timely monument for mm -hmm. Newark that we you know, um, started last year. Yeah. yeah, people did wonderful reimaginings in the park, um, both in terms of remaking that militaristic statue, um, and then, of course, the, the Indigenous People's Day we've just passed through. Oh, yes. yes. Beth, uh, we, were, we did. We, the city, removed the Columbus statue from Washington Park. We are renaming that park Tubman Square. And really? We, yes. Oh, and, my God. I'm so excited to hear that. <laughs> Tubman are, Square. And we are commissioning a Harriet Tubman monument in the place of the Columbus statue. <gasps> and I am just too thrilled Fiamma, you took my breath away. Oh, my goodness. That's so exciting to hear. It is. Is, is the city, um, is it going to put out a call mm -hmm. for proposals for what that monument? Yes, I'm working on that as we speak. So the announcement should go out very soon. Oh, Fiamma, that is fabulous. Yeah, I'm, I'm Newark excited. Newark on the map and in the art world and in the monuments world. And our children need to see. Oh, my goodness. These are important representations of history for our children to see. And so that conversation around Confederate era monuments and who, whose history does that serve? And why are we still perpetuating these kind of false narratives that are racist and unjust and fueled with symbols of white supremacy. It's just interesting, not interesting, disgusting <laughs> to see people who still want to hold on to this, yes. this white supremacist symbolism. And it's hurtful because it really demonstrates how much people do not want to acknowledge black and brown and indigenous lives and where we are today as a country to hold on to the past is just holding this entire nation back. Yes. Yes. Holding, yes, holding us back, holding things in hostage that need to be freed. Mm -hmm. Freed. I mean, the energy is freed up in this time have been remarkable. And um, I think we've seen some of the most remarkable 
you know, exemplars of how the arts in public spaces can change and shape a city, both the people in it, the people who pass through it, the people who have reason to know why come to Newark, you know? Um, we have an energy going right oh, now. Oh, we have such energy, <laughs> and you are so much at the heart of it. Um, tell me if there's anything else you would like to put in the mix of this conversation. I want everyone to vote. I just want everyone to vote. Oh, yes. That's a great, great summation. I just dropped my ballot in the box in front of the county courthouse. Mm -hmm. And I went there so I could see this, the Abolish White Supremacy mural again. And when I knew it was one of the drop boxes, yes. I thought, yes, get me to MLK Boulevard on this rainy Tuesday yes. morning. Yes, vote, 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 vote. Yes, I want pictures of people dropping them off yep. at the at, you know in these ballot box ballot boxes yeah with pride you know yes. it's it's a critical and, moment we and have with to profound vote. profound hope for what comes next because we want to get to what comes next thank you so much Fiami for coming out on this rainy day Great conversation with you. So lovely to be actually seeing you. Everybody will hear this, I hope. And um, yes, thank you for representing for Artists in the City, Express Newark, and your connections to it, Mayor's Office, and your work there. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thank you. So I just want to thank two other people at this moment. Um, Eric Johnson has been working beautifully with us on audio production. And Dana Damiani is our social media person. And if all goes according to plan, we'll keep rocking steady here at Express Newark at Rutgers University Newark. And that was Dr. Melanie Hill, Assistant Professor of English at Rutgers University, Newark, gospel violinist. And that was her variation on Rocksteady. Rocksteady is hosted by Dr. Fran Bartowski. Our engineer is Eric Johnson, and our marketing and promotions are done by Dana Demiani. This podcast is a project of Express Snork, a Rutgers Nork University community collaboratory.